Uh, God, just thank you for this, this chance to come and talk about this, this difficult question that we may face, or we may have already asked, or we may ask at some point in time. God, may we just uh, dig into this, this uh, question, God, knowing that in this little short time we're going to have, it's not going to be able to just completely fully answer this question. That's a question that we're going to need to wrestle with and look at and examine and just see all the different aspects and ways of what your Bible says, God, but we can walk away at least knowing the basic truths uh, that we're going to look at tonight, God. Let's pray for the time in our small groups after this as they continue just to dig a little bit deeper. Shame, I pray. Amen. All right, so um, I was asked about my Cubs hat earlier tonight because uh, it's my Cubs hat, my hat, because it's, it's a black Cubs hat. If you're not aware, the Cubs' colors are not black and white, okay? They're blue, right? Blue, like red, white, and blue. And so they... Uh, they asked me, how come I'm wearing a black Cubs hat? They changed colors. I said, no, I'm still in mourning because for the trade deadline this year, they traded like several of their big Keystone players from uh, their 2016 World Series championship team. So I'm still pretty upset. And sometimes I ask the question like, God, if you love me, why did you send Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees of all teams? Right? Of course, I'm, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. But, of course, I'm just joking. But tonight, that's kind of the question we're going to look at tonight. Why does God allow suffering? Why do... Why do... Are you okay? Why, why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? Has anybody here ever asked that question? Or thought that question? Any brave enough to say that they have? Yeah, I've done it. Um... If you have your Bible app, uh, you can see I do have it. I didn't put the pictures up, but I do have it. I believe it is ready to go. Um, but yeah. So tonight, like I said, we're going to explore one of the toughest questions that will ever face us as followers of Jesus. Uh, one of the most difficult things for us to explain to non-believers is this concept of suffering. Uh, I, I've quoted C.S. Lewis several times. Uh, I had some more quotes, but I'm not going to throw that at you guys tonight. You guys can just check out C.S. Lewis. I've said this is my third week in a row mentioning that guy. You guys should probably have read all the stuff by now. I'm just kidding. You should, but you should check him out. He's got Mere Christianity. He's got, um, there's, uh, I just lost the name of the two ones. Because he wrote one about suffering before, like early on in his ministry, and then he wrote one after his wife died. And you kind of see the shift of kind of his, his tone and kind of what, he believed about pain and suffering, but you, should, you guys should check his stuff out. But many, many times people who, who don't follow Jesus don't quite understand that how we as Christians can follow a God who allows so much suffering to go on in this world. I mean, just look at our world right now and just look at the news that has been creeping up in the past year, year and a half. It has not been just the best of news in this world. And many people in the world, they word it kind of like this. How can a loving God who is all-powerful allow bad things to happen to good people. So probably all of us at some point in the time have experienced the pains of a fallen world. We've lost a loved one, had a friend who died long before their time, or been soured by a tragedy that we just maybe couldn't understand. So why does an all-powerful and all-loving God allow suffering? It's not a new question. This question has been asked for centuries. It's been asked by theologians. It's been asked by philosophers, by grieving parents, 
and just more people throughout generations. Why does a good and loving God allow suffering? But to, to kind of dissect this question, we need to make sure that we're coming from the right foundation. So we're going to ask two important questions before we dive into the heart of the matter, heart of the main question. So the first question is, okay, well, is God all-powerful? So that, that statement there, if a loving God is all-powerful, all, an all-loving, all-powerful God, right? So that's the main question kind of thing. So the question is, underneath that, is God truly all-powerful? So we're going to explore a little bit of evidence to see if God is truly all-powerful. We're going to see if we can answer these questions based on our Christian worldview and come up with an answer that makes sense and kind of gives us hope within this framework of that first question. So first, of course, we know God created everything we see, correct? God created everything that we see, things we can't see, down to the you know, atoms in our body. Everything there is, God created it. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So that verse is telling us that God made everything. You can see it. There should be no excuse for people to not believe in God because they have what he created out there to see. Just look at the universe around us, right? There's evidence of God's power all around. In six days, God created the stars, the heavens, the oceans, the plants, every creature that walks along the earth, even mosquitoes. He made everything. And he made mankind. He made everything. God took dust of the ground, right? Look at Genesis. God took dust of the ground and he formed it into mankind. He breathed his life into us. And he gave us life. Forming it into his own image. I'm just going to pause and kind of take a little quick rabbit trail. You are made in God's image. You guys know that? You may think that you're not worth anything. You're made in God's image. It's kind of a big deal. All right, we're going to get back. Okay. But we are the pinnacle of his creation. I've told you guys before, I'm God's favorite. I don't care what you say, I am God's favorite. But then, of course, you could argue that you're God's favorite as well, and we both would be not really lying to each other. But, you know, we are the pinnacle of his creation. You know, we have authority over all beings, right? Like, Adam got to name everything, right? Yes, you guys know this? I don't know why he picked some of the names he did, but he did. But he named everything, right? And so he has authority over all mankind, and it's kind of a, a big deal. So we, we're the pinnacle, the highest of his creation. And the entire universe just screams of God's glory. From the vastness of space to the intricate design on the human eye, God's fingerprints are all over creation. Louis Giglio, great pastor, does like the Passion Movement and, and uh, works in pastor of the Passion Church in Atlanta, has an incredible video called Indescribable. You guys should, I'm sure it's on YouTube. You guys should check it out. It talks about this kind of a thing. But Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So God created everything we see. Secondly, God is a doer of miracles. We see God doing amazing things throughout his word. We see God doing amazing things today. In addition to creating the universe in six days, God showed his power and might all throughout scripture. When he you know, parted the Red Sea and they walked on on dry ground, that's kind of weird, right? That's not, it's not normal. It's not how things work. He tore down the wall of Jericho. He, he rained down sulfur on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
He struck down 185,000 Amorite or Assyrians in the middle of the night. And you can just read throughout Scripture on and on and on the different things that God did. And there's no doubt that God is powerful. He can do whatever he wants. He owns nature. He owns time. We saw when Jesus was alive and he's there in the boat. And then he's taking his nap and his disciples are crying and wailing because the boat's moving and rocking in the wind and in the rain. And Jesus is like, all right, he gets up. And basically, he almost, the pretty close English equivalent would be wind shut up. It's pretty close to an equivalent of what he said. Like, stop. And everything, just nature obeyed him. That's who my God is. You got it? So he is all-powerful. Job 26, 14 says, Behold, these are but, are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? So does God have power? Yes. Could God stop all the bad things from ever happening? Absolutely, there is no doubt. But the second question that we also need to answer tonight does God love us? So that first question we looked at, does an all-loving, all-powerful God, why does he allow bad things to happen? So we looked at, well, first, is God all-powerful? Secondly, is God all-loving you know, loving God? Does he truly love us? Um, yes, I can, in my sermon, I can walk off the stage there. Yes, there's no, that's not, it doesn't take very much to answer that question, that yes, God loves us. God loves you the, the more than you love you. God loves you more than Kanye loves Kanye. You got it? God loves you a whole lot. God loves you more than you could ever begin to fathom and understand and comprehend God's love. God created you in his image. He breathed his life into you. He knows you more deeply than you ever known or will ever know yourself. Romans 8 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I read this scripture at my dad's funeral. I did my, my dad's funeral service, which is a little challenging. This is one of the verses I read. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> it's kind of a big deal. Hey, Mason. And then Romans 5, 8. It says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about what that verse says. The most compelling evidence of God's love is that his one and only Son came to give us life through his death. So does God have the power to stop bad things from happening? Yes, absolutely. Does God love us with a deep and unconditional love? Yes. Without question. So then, back to the main question. So why do bad things happen? I, I believe that there are at least three possible explanations. Of course, there's you know, more than that, obviously. We're talking about three that I believe that that, cannot, you know, that are pretty prominent in our lives that ha- why one particular bad thing happens, right? Before I look at those three possible reasons for bad things happening, I want to make sure we understand that death and illness, they were not part of God's original plan. When God created everything, what did he say after each day creation? Huh? It is good. Is death and illness good? 
That'd be no, that's pretty easy, right? Death and illness were not originally part of God's original plan when he, when he created everything. In chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, we see God created everything we knew and see, including humans. God saw in us the pinnacle of creation, and we were made in his image, and he gave Adam and Eve a beautiful home in this Garden of Eden. It was perfection, and they had the chance to spend time in fellowship with God all the time. And this was God's plan, but over in chapter 3, we see that Eve was deceived by the serpent, and she disobeyed God by eating of the forbidden fruit, probably banana, because they're disgusting, and Adam did the exact same thing. So God removed them from the garden and cursed them, right? And this is the first time that death was ever introduced into the world, because we have over in Genesis three nineteen, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, so you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for your dust, and to dust you shall return. So this is when death first entered into the mix, when they had sinned. So death and illness were not part of God's plan. You guys got this? Shake your heads, make sure you're awake. Yeah, okay. So, that's, that's the foundation we understand. That's, that was not part of what he had planned for us. So we're going to look at some options, the three options of why bad things happen. First, sometimes bad things happen because we live just in a fallen world. This is just the pains of our sin. Trace all the way back to that fall in Genesis chapter 3. Through our selfishness and disobedience, death and decay entered into our world. And some of the terrible things that happen are simply just a result of the sin that exists in the world because of the original sin there of Adam and Eve. And many of these terrible things are just random. God is not intervening or creating them. They're simply happening because they happen. But the good news is that God promises to go with us. He gives us hope. Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of God, or grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Sometimes it just happens because we live in a fallen world. Secondly, maybe God's way of getting your attention or disciplining you, because sometimes we just make bad choices because we're stupid. Right? Anybody in here stupid? Yep. Okay, so five of us. But don't misunderstand, okay? When you get into sniffles, doesn't mean that you need to repent of some kind of sin, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that from time to time, bad things directly happen because of our disobedience, right? There's consequences. You guys grow up in your parents' house. They tell you the rules. You break a rule. Are there consequences? Right? This, so we have our disobedience. That's kind of why these things may happen. God punished Korah and Dathan and Abiram, or Abiram for questioning Moses' authority. Numbers 14. I believe the Bible says that the earth opened up and swallowed them and kind of closed back over them. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear me? Nobody looked like shocked on their face. The ground did this. The guys did this. The ground did this. That's not normal, right? Okay. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah by raining down fiery sulfur in Genesis 19. In the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira were killed when they lied to God about their offering in Acts chapter 5. And Hebrews 12 reminds us that God disciplines us as sons. Starting in verse 7 of, uh, of Hebrews 12. It is for discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but it disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness 
to those who have been trained by it. You may not always understand why you're getting disciplined or why it hurts or what's going on exactly, but there's a reason why you go through these things. Because this discipline, however, is always out of love and always out of a desire for restoration and for peace. And thirdly, sometimes bad things happen because God is molding and shaping us for something amazing. Because gold is refined by fire, iron is sharpened by iron, and we are formed more into the likes of the Christ through trusting God in, in those suffering and in those trials. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. They may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So maybe sometimes we undergo, when we undergo a tragedy or personal struggle, God may be developing us into the person that he wants us to be. So three options exist when we undergo suffering. Of course, I said there, there's probably more, but three we focus on tonight. Like I said, this is, I, I didn't talk for very long. This is the, a lot water hosed at you. You're going to dig into this a little bit more um, in, your, in your small group time. God may be punishing us or maybe molding us into his likeness. Maybe it's because we're living in a fallen world that's full of sin and full of just people. But the most important thing you guys need to know and can know is this. No matter what you face, what struggles you deal with, what tragedies you face, God loves you and God walks with you. Because he provides comfort that you can't understand and peace you can't comprehend. And he gives you hope for the future through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you guys to go read John chapter 11 sometime this week, anytime. I would love for you guys, if you don't have my number, um, I'd love to give that to you. So I really want you guys to, to read it and, and shoot me a text of what you think. Um, it's a story of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Most people, they can quote you a, a scripture verse. See the John three sixteen, or I think it's verse 27 of John 11 which is Jesus wept, right? Everybody's like, Jesus wept, right? Um, it's the story of Mary and Martha, and, and remember, that's the story where they were two that, that Jesus went to, and one was cooking, and one was at his feet listening and, and listening to his teaching. And then Lazarus was their brother, and he died. And just see the story of how Jesus, it's so crazy how it says, because like, they went to Jesus and said, hey, he is, he's dying. And uh, Jesus is like, okay. And then it says, so we had to stay for two more days. So, comma, he stayed for two more days. After being told that his friend was dying. I think it's really cool when you see why he, you know, he stayed and what the purpose was behind it. So check out John 11 this week. And I, like I said, I'm being for real. I'd love for you guys to tell me what you think, what God is teaching you um, through that. So, now that Caitlin's here, we're going to go ahead and pray. And then we will... Um, split up. Got to pray as we just uh, head into this, these small groups and have uh, a pretty good amount of time. Got to pray that they openly discuss these things, God, because it's, it's a hard topic of why you allow these bad things to happen and, and, and why we go through hard things and hard times. God, we know that you are all-powerful, God, but that you still love us and that despite what may happen, that you're still walking with us, even when it may not feel like we are. Got to pray for this time. I pray that they Answer questions, they ask questions, God, and they just uh, grow a little closer to you tonight. In name I pray.
Amen.